day we hoistling at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the tragically short-lived, star-studded high school dramedy, Freaks and Geeks, will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. couple announcements before we start the show. So I have offended at least one Eagle Point viewer. So I, I have been punching down a bit, as Drew would say, on our Eagle Point viewers. And Eagle Point viewers, that will not happen again. Thank you for the feedback. Another announcement. Apparently, and I'm not apologizing for this one. Apparently, we also pissed off some brown coats. And you know what? I don't really care that much because the pilot for Firefly deserves the hoisting it got. Brown coats, if you want to act like children and call us names that shouldn't be called from our title of our podcast, then that's on you. Fuck you, brown coats. Yeah, and go get laid. <laughs> Probably virgins. <laughs> well, they're not subscribers anymore, but yeah, they might be virgins. Are they listening? They probably don't give a shit or what we have to say about freaks and geeks. <laughs> so take that, brown coats. All right. We're already making a change that we want to see in the world. Okay. What's your background, Drew? I think I might have the most extensive background because I watched this entire show. I watched it fast. This was binging pre-Netflix when you got box sets and you had to actually get up and change the DVDs out. And so my nostalgia boner was not raging, but it was definitely present. And there's a lot of famous people in this show too, you forget. So that's my background. So my background is I watched it in the background a lot, binging, and I watched the whole thing. It was a forgettable pilot for me a few years ago. And I didn't really remember it and I didn't watch any other episodes. And when I was watching it recent or this week, I really had no idea what was going to happen. And now, for a 60-second summary. Lindsay is having a hard time after witnessing her grandmother's death. She starts to rebel in school and begins a friendship with some of the freaks, while her brother, Sam, one of the geeks, and his friends are having trouble with a bully, Alan. A bunch of legit high school things happen throughout the show, and the show ends at the homecoming dance with a happy ending for Lindsay and Sam. And... Unless I missed anything, we're going to move on to high points. So Mo, why don't you go ahead and start us off with your high point? So aside from what you already just mentioned about it being so star-studded, I mean, it has Seth Rogen and why am I blanking on the tall guy's name? Uh, that would be Brian. <laughs> I mean, Jason Siegel. <laughs> yes, Jason Siegel and James Franco, who whatever, but. You know, they were a little cool crew back in their day, and they were so young. So that's pretty cool. And then Linda Cardinelli, who's the main character, is so awesome. Um, so aside from that, I just, I really like the aesthetic of the show. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this supposed to be like kind of in the 70s? 80s. It's the 80s? It's like 1980. Yeah. Okay. Well, the 80s isn't known for its fashion, but I really liked everyone's kind of, it, it stayed true to the decade, I guess. And I really liked that. To build on that, just everyone's dress also was appropriate for them being in high school and figuring out with their awkward outfits how to be yes awkward people yeah it was just like the best kind of awkward but like you know how hip is kind of awkward it it was it was awesome i like i really liked the style and then just highlighting how each character was so resilient and not just succumbing to the pressures of their teenage experience in this first episode i just really liked that it's hard being an adolescent i agree mo I think that there was a lot of like very true to adolescent moments and that people definitely had a shitty time and things were awkward and you didn't know what people were going to do, which is very much adolescence in and of itself. So I'm with you, Mo. I like how a lot of the background seemed authentic 
if in tone, if not in like complete reality. I also have to piggyback off of that. I thought the high school dynamics were excellent. And to add on to that, we've seen the jocks in Friday Night Lights. We've seen the preppy rich kid in Dawson. We've seen the Jesus freaks in Seventh Heaven. Yep. And we've just seen like your straight up suburban white family in the wonder years and now we're actually getting another touch of high school that we haven't seen from any of our other pilots so this is also kind of fitting we're getting the geeks very strong showing from from the geeks and we're getting the freaks which uh you know adds a nice (laughs) touch to our high school dramedies we're learning a lot about white kids in high school (laughs) so much yeah well i was thinking about that like because there's definitely places in America where it's all white. So, you know, like, like what should the balance be between all white high school dramedies and blended high school dramedies? Especially when they're like in the 80s or when they're like dated pieces. I feel like segregation was even more, even worse than it. No, s- segregation now is worse than maybe ever uh-huh. or, or since. Than in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Way worse. I would comment more on the volume of shows with just the white experience more so than like the shows themselves only having white characters. Cause you're right. Like in the wonder years suburb, we did see that one black kid in the cafeteria, but it's not so much like they need to insert like characters of color in these dramas more. We need to have diverse voices so we can see like other points of view. So no, I don't think we need to add like random black characters who may not have necessarily been there, but let's hear about where those black characters were. I will add, I, I have a lot of high points for this show. Lindsay was one of my contenders for MVP, and so I I definitely want to highlight her as a high point. She is a misunderstood youth, and she's developed very well throughout the show. She has like no one to talk to, or at least she thinks she has no one to talk to. She doesn't talk to her mom. She doesn't talk to the guidance counselor. She doesn't seem like she really has any close friends at school that she feels comfortable talking with. She tries to talk to Sam, and Sam's just such a little kid, he just doesn't get it. Like she's like opening up to him about, hey, I was there when grandma died. And Sam's like, so you think we could beat up Alan? It was just, it was. I yeah. loved that scene. I felt so bad for her there. Yeah. I know, but because she handled it well. That dude, Jeff, is such a creep. Okay. Guidance counselor Jeff is just such a creep, man. For whatever reason, like she's, she's rebelling and she's definitely having a hard time with her grandma dying. And so I felt like that whole development around her made for a very strong show yeah i think i mean i think she was doing something that's very natural that like adolescents do which is picking up and putting down identities and fit putting things on and seeing what fits and you know that's where the uncomfortableness and the shittiness of like some people's high school experience goes like they may not find that place and that place might not be there for them but they've only been in that one place so they feel like it's the only thing in the world and she's kind of feeling that i have something else to add mo you've been a little quiet Get in there, Mo. Throw some elbows, Mo. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. I'm just like sh- nodding my head. It's it's going it's going great on the audio. I <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I loved the Vietnam jacket. That's yes. that's kinda like the Holden Codfield like red hat. And and like the jacket, they kind of explicitly call it out a couple times, which which I guess is fine because it's it's more of a a visual and it's it's meant for a different audience than like a literary you know fiction writing but but either way the jacket is really cool and at the end of the show when she takes the jacket off i was like yes like that's such a cool way to end the show 
it's like she finally gets it. She kind of makes up for like the wrong she had with with Eli, and it just ends on on a really high note. And she seems to be. I mean, she's she she seems like a really good person and like a really good kid. Well, the jacket does a lot of storytelling in the episode without saying a lot because it's mentioned that the jacket is being worn after the grandma dies, so you're associating it with her trauma, and then you're also learning about the dad and his background because they mention it's his dad's army jacket and. You know, you're just kind of like seeing it, and it also represents a change in like her style. So I think, oh, oh my goodness, Jimbo, you just keep getting mad that I want to give Crabman awards to not things, to like non sentient beings. But once again, a Crabman has cometh <laughs> in the form of a not a person. If I was going to allow a non person Crabman, it would be the jacket and not that stupid signals uh, attitude or the dinosaurs that you suggested, or the dumb little dinosaurs. <laughs> So much contempt for my opinion. I love you too. Not all your opinions, just just the stupid ones. <laughs> okay, there we go. I also did some most style nonverbal acting. Okay, my I have I have a quick I have a quick high point that I want to throw out there. Sometimes I think the acting is natural, but sometimes I think the writing is really natural. And like Seth Rogen is a shitty dude in this episode. But he also seems like a shitty dude that I remember clearly from high school and that I also remember clearly from college. You know, like so many things that he said and did, like, you know, saying something dick to someone who's just said something dumb and then like enjoying the awkwardness of it. That is some shitty dudes in high school. And, you know, then his, all his friends shit on him, which is why he's kind of a sour dude. Like Seth Rogen seemed very much like a shitty bro. And I, I mean, I believed it. Of all the future stars, he was the person who I didn't focus on. Is like, oh shit, Seth Rogen. By the end of the episode, I was like, that, that fucker. Yeah, he sucked. But on purpose. I don't know. That was a low point for me. Do you think they were writing him sympathetically? What do you mean? I think you were supposed to kind of think he was shitty. And I mean, if you were supposed to think he was shitty, is he still a low point? Yeah, I think, I mean, I get what you're getting at, that they were that he was a good actor and that it was written well for who he was supposed to represent. But I guess when you started describing him, I just thought of that scene where he smacks that girl in the ass and it just like, Mm -hmm. it just made me hate everything (laughs) about him and his character. But it's true. I would say that is a high point though. It's, I mean, yeah, guys do that. Shitty guys like Seth Rogen's character. So you're like, ugh, that guy. I think it could be both a high point and a low point because it's subjective, but seeing a lot of people that I knew and maybe I said some dick shit to someone who was socially awkward in high school like that. It just seemed very natural. And so maybe the writing of that character is what I enjoyed. And maybe watching that person and listening to that person is something that Mo, maybe Mo disliked the performance. I have something to maybe add to the low points later, but I, but I would agree. His character is a high point for his attitude and just the way he doesn't care about anything and the way that he's a dick to everyone I mean, that's real. Dude, he very much cares about um, his friend's opinion of him. And he's doing a very good job, or he's doing a pretty shitty job of trying to seem nonchalant as adolescents do. But like when they rip on him and they make fun of him for the chemistry test, that shit bothers him. I guess I mean he doesn't care about school. Mm, Okay, I can agree to that. Not what you said. Should we move on to low points? Yeah, Mo, get in there and you, you give us those low points, Mo. Well, I mean, I kind of mentioned that the characters themselves just rubbed me the wrong way. And like I mentioned, when Seth Rogen was just, ew, just so gross, like just slapping that girl in the ass. I didn't like that. So that was probably my low point. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to steal yours, Jimbo. Go ahead and steal it. But 
Ken, Seth Rogen, I thought his character was extremely annoying because the acting was so shitty. I thought the acting was terrible. I thought his his lines were great, and I thought his attitude of the character was great, but the execution was terrible. And I'm glad Seth Rogen came around because this this was something I was going to add about Lindsay because I because I, lo- I looked this up. She was twenty she was twenty four years old when when the show came out, so she's a mature actor. And I think that's why her character seems so strong and some of the other characters were really hit and miss. Because I, I felt like there was a lot of crappy acting from about half the cast. The same, I mean, they still act like at that level. <laughs> that's their like aesthetic, you know? They just wrote a script. I'm not saying Seth Rogen's a great actor, but he's definitely improved a lot since then. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, I think he's supposed to be a kind of quasi-moron. And I mean, he was hitting those notes for me. You know, like a dude who's kind of a smart ass, but is also still kind of an idiot in the same way. Like, you know, I can't, I wish I had written it down, but like whatever, like whatever Lindsay said to them the first time they met and he just turned around and like said something with like no response. It was just a super dick thing to do. And he delivered it in a super dick way. So, I mean, it just reminded me of like people in high school who are assholes because they could be. Wait, okay. So, you know who was a good asshole on this episode? The blonde chick. Busy Phillips? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she was. Phillips. That shit was intense. Ooh, maybe I'm going to change my MVP. That would be like a good portrayal of a bu- like a jerk and well done and it's likable. That bullying was so intense. Yeah, but it was like she was real and it was good acting. Seth Rogen was just annoying and so was James Franco and his dumb squinty eyes. I agree with Mo. Oh my God. His character was the worst character on the this show. It's like, That's not great acting, James Franco. Those are some really impressive dimples and great hair. I really felt like they were really hot. they were legitimately stoned. I think they were stoned before the, in the they filmed. They method acting. I don't think I've ever seen <laughs> Jason Franco not stoned. That guy's stoned every talk show, everything he does. Did you call him Jason just now? Maybe James Franco. <laughs> you're you're besmirching Jason Franco's acting career. <laughs> yeah, literally, he's irrelevant. <laughs> he just got so cut from Hollywood. So I also have a lot of low points. This show had a lot of high points. It had a lot of low points. There's two, and I would like to bring up both of them, just in case I only get one. The misunderstood you thing came off really bad because it had this running theme that adults don't understand teenagers. And like, I get it. There is a bit of a disconnect, but adults understand teenagers way more than this show led on to a high school viewer or someone that's in their youth is going to watch that show and be like, oh yeah, adults are so stupid. But you know what? Adults have hindsight. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessary that adults don't understand teenagers. I think they understand them all too well because they were teenagers, but they don't. Not in this show. And what? Yes, they were. No. I mean, I think that they, they just can't communicate their experiences effectively, which I still think is a real thing because teenagers can't get out of their own heads. Like they can't get out of their own experience. Okay, let me cut in. Tell me one adult character in that show that understood teenagers. That The guidance counselor. Yeah, the guidance counselor called her out exactly on her shit, and she denied it because she was being a little ass. Yeah, and then he just like gave her a slap on the wrist, essentially, for ditching class, which other... No, like a jerk teacher would give her detention and something dumb, but he made her like engage in a social activity on campus. Like he was like... He saw right through her. He saw that she was just trying to be a good person in the midst of all her grief. And and then she ended up enjoying herself at the dance and she got to connect with her brother and see him be so adorable with that girl. He facilitated that. Okay, I'll take back what I said about about Jeff. 
it's 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 Mr. Rosas. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel the same way about the parents or or any, or any of the other teachers? I mean, the parents were like black and white. Like the yeah, okay. the dad was just like the mean girls guy. That's like, if you have sex, you will have you will get AIDS and die. Like that was like his whole attitude. It was funny the first time, but after like the twelfth time, it I was just too much for me. Yeah. With the parents. Yeah, the father. Was your dad like that? No. Oh. I'm just wondering if it was because you were getting triggered. No, it's because I was getting annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair too. Yeah, okay. I guess. I want to jump in with my <laughs> low point in between Jimbo's dual low points because we do that now apparently. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be done. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I Wait, I think that shot's fired. <laughs> oh, oh, the shots were fired last week during the uh, Breaking Bad, uh, <laughs> you know, shop talk. So if you didn't listen, go back because oh. there's. There's a lot of Jimbo shitting on Drew's injuries in that uh in that app. <laughs> so so here's here's my low point. I feel like they dialed the grandma's death explanation to like thirteen and a half. Like oh, it just kind of like it got to a point where like it took me out of it where she was like, and then grandma grabbed my hand, and then I asked her, "Do you see anything?" And grandma was like, "No, there's nothing. I'm sorry that I lived a good life. There's no Jesus." I was like, "Damn, dude! Like she could have been in the room and grandma stopped breathing, and that would have really fucked with her, you know, because she's young. Or you know, she could have been holding grandma's hand when she died. I just felt like they were like putting like a hat on another hat, you know, like it's already gonna be traumatic." she obviously had a really strong relationship with her. And then for them to like, just shoehorn in that, like at the last moment, Lindsay grilled her grandma and grandma was like, I see nothing. I regret being Christian. Like, come on. Like she could have like had this crisis without those random details, or you could have told those in the third episode. It just seemed odd. I didn't even really pick up on that though. Did I miss something? It was kind of like melodramatic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Maybe it is melodramatic. Yeah, but, I, but she delivered it so well. It was hard. It was endearing, and then and then it was light when the brother was just a kid, and like Jimbo said, was just like, uh, "Can I beat up that guy?" Yeah, that's that's how I felt. I actually didn't even remember those details, Drew. Well, like, well, yeah, because the brother probably reacted the way we did, which was like, "There's no response to the startling amount of detail <laughs> you've now told me," which I guess you never told anyone else. So what I'm gonna say is back to my thing. So the brother <laughs> felt like we all did, which was like, wow, um, you never told anyone that. And I'm kind of weirded out. So so the brother affirms my low point. Okay. And since my other low point, I guess, wasn't a low point, or maybe it was half a low point if I worded it differently, the opening scene was so corny. It kind of started off like it would have been a nice parody, like where you think you're going into a Glee or Friday Night Lights opening, and then it it goes under the bleachers, and you get the the geeks or, or uh, the freaks. But you know what? It came off as so cheesy, and it really set the tone for you to hate Daniel James Franco's character and Ken Seth Rogen's character. I just felt like from the opening scene, they just they just started you off with we are super annoying, shitty actors, and you're just not going to like us. <laughs> Before they they pan down below the bleachers, it's that cookie cutter football player and cheerleader couple. And they oh, yeah. say something real corny to each other like, I'm so scared of how much I love you. I'm so scared of how much I love you. Was it really that? Yeah. It yes, was, it, ex- it was so exactly like, that. It was something just it, like that. It was yeah. exactly that. That's what they said. I watched it 20 minutes ago. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Your memory's more fresh. So that, yeah, I, I'm with you, Jimbo. That was dumb. Yeah, the joke was obvious and it went on too long. And then when they panned down, 
those were not likable um, performances. So I'm totally getting what you're saying. And yeah, it's a little too clever. They, they might get hoisted on, you know, that's getting hoisted on your own, uh, you know, I'm too clever petard, Judd Apatow. And so I think we can move on from the low points and let's go into Crab Man. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So now we're going to move on to the Crab Man. Mo has a Crab Man nominee, and Drew might have a Crab Object nominee, and I also have a Crab Man nominee. Go ahead, Mo. So I want to change mine. Mm. Go ahead, mm. Mo. Mm. I just decided as we were talking that I don't like bullies. You know who I'm going to give this Crab Man to? No, we don't. Millie. <laughs> who is Millie? Millie's the anti uh, Riggins, because she is a high school student who looks like a high school student. I need more help. Millie is Lindsay's friend. Former friend. Who is trying to pressure her to the do nerdy the nerdy Millie? <laughs> Judgy. Okay. Yeah, Millie's just trying to be herself, and she is being herself, and she doesn't give a fuck what anyone says about her. And she's just she seems like a ride or die for some reason to me. So I'm going with Millie. You haven't sold me even a little bit on Millie. <laughs> well, you don't remember her? I remember her, and I don't. I'm not giving my crab man vote to her. That's for sure. <laughs> if you give it to the jacket, I swear. Jacket's gonna beat out Millie. That's for sure, dude. <laughs> Unless you can start talking. Why? More <laughs> shots know. fired. I, first of all, bullies suck. So let's not give it to a bully. Okay, fine. Second of all, Millie was a true, genuine portrayal of a high school student, like Drew said. Okay, but she's there for Lindsay, and she's she's actually the only person in the whole episode that is trying to reach out to Lindsay and see why she's not being part of the mathletes and that she's so good at math. Why isn't she? She's the only person that really notices that something's up with her. You guys just grilled me about how Jeff got it and pinpointed everything. So you can't say she's the only one after that. That was later. Okay, but she's one of the few and she does in only in one scene. She's in like three scenes. Well, whatever. And Lindsay's trying to like actively avoid her, but she still is there. And she was there at the dance. All right. Well, well, that's a respectable nominee. I'm going to nominate Neil, the Wonder Years looking geek kid. And I know I might get a little pushback. He does the Bill Murray impersonation from Caddyshack. And he's always talking about Star Wars. Dude, that kid was awesome. He is awesome. He he could have been your high point or your MVP, man. You can't you can't give the crab man to like your runners up for other awards. He was in the show way too much. Was he? Fine. He was in the show at least one third of the episode, and he was the highlight of a lot of ep- the things. He gets hit in the balls. All right, all right. He does he does take a dodgeball right right to the groin. He does. <laughs> that dodgeball scene was pretty good. And he's in the epic beating of Alan. All right, fine, fine, rejected. I, I, you know, I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. All right, Drew, what's it going to be? What's your crab man nominee? Might be the gym teacher, uh, <laughs> mostly because this one time two years ago, um, it was like the end of the year, like it was like the end of the year, like jamboree, where like the kids didn't have to go to class; they just went to stations. And so I ended up running the prisoner ball game, and it was awesome because I kind of made it like the Thunderdome. And so I had like this bag of candy and I started putting bounties on kids. I was like, get John. Whoever gets John next gets a Snickers. And so I was definitely like the evil gym teacher. And like watching dodgeball is indeed really fun. Playing dodgeball might not have been as fun, 
but I can attest to like that gym teacher was super real and that's Biff Tannen. But I'm also kind of behind Moe's thoughts. Did you put all the big athletic kids on one team and all the scrawny unathletic kids on the other team? I did not do that, but I did stand on top of a chair in the middle of the game and yell chaos. Glorious. But chaos just means that you can cross the line. No, man, come on. I didn't let them cross the line. I just like to yell and like watch the chaos ensue. It was fantastic. Because my high school teacher was very similar to that high school teacher. <laughs> he he kind of just let anything go in PE class. <laughs> except oh. we picked our own teams. So they were a little more balanced out. And okay. he would usually pick like three people that... Like he wouldn't pick a nerdy person and a cool person and have them choose their teams. Like So like it got vicious inside of our gym classes and he would just sit there and laugh like when someone got hit in the nuts he was laughing louder than anyone else in the entire room that's not right oh yeah i didn't realize it wasn't right until i started going to college to be a teacher (laughs) yeah yeah you gotta you gotta enjoy your job okay definitely i'm gonna say crabless man i don't like any of these non-reoccurring characters i'm willing to go crabless fine Rambo, you're boxed out. Crabless. Yeah. Sorry, listeners, to make you go through nine minutes of crab man nonsense for a crabless show, but that's just <laughs> the way she blows. Better than having the wrong crab man. You know, we don't want to lose our credibility with the with the listeners. Definitely, definitely. And we've and we've had a pretty strong crab man run so far, so it would be discrediting Lamar's memory. Lamar? Mo. It is Lamar. Lamar, come yeah, on. It is Lamar. No. It is Lamar. Damn, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. We're going to move on to MVPs now. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, listeners, especially our, our Southern Oregon listeners, if you are in Jackson or Josephine County and you are in need of an engineer, wait no longer. Fitzgerald Engineering Services, President William Fitzgerald, professional licensed engineer. He is ready to do your geotechnic engineering. He he looks at the soil and, and shit. To include such such tasks as subgrade investigation, real estate inspections, or foundation certification. And if you're one of those super rich people in Southern Oregon and you need some traffic engineering at your home, he is an expert in sign, signal, and temporary traffic control design. You can leave a comment on our website and Mr. Fitzgerald will find it and contact you. (laughs) If you're tired of hearing Fitzgerald Engineering Services, then contact us and you can buy out his advertisement slot. Welcome back, listeners. And now, MVP. And I really hope Drew didn't change his MVP. But since I'm talking, I'm going to start off with mine. And I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I'm going to have to go with the literary devices as my MVP, the jacket and the metaphors and the different symbols throughout the show, the drum set, the Come Sail Away song at the end of the episode. I loved all those those little literary devices that just kind of brought everything together for me. I can see some of those. You know, there's some definite purposeful storytelling. I'm not sure they're necessarily subtle, but yeah, you know, there's a through line in terms of the messages they want to send. And yeah, like the more I think about it, the more I think that like the the army jacket is clever storytelling. I think that Come Sail Away was just 
a song that they picked because it was tonally different at the beginning and the end so that Sam thought he was getting a slow dance and then it went fast and that's he just kind of like lost his inhibition so I'm not sure how purposeful Come Sail Away was oh come on Drew you think that's the only song that has a tonal shift name another one off the top of your head from, from the 70s Bohemian Rhapsody oh. I don't know the names of songs off the top of my head why is Come Sail Away so such a literary device fill me in I don't get it is it like Come Sail Away is it talking about death? No. What do you mean? It's about sailing. I mean, it's just hitting the nail a little on the nose. I've got to be free, free to face the life that's ahead of me. On board, I'm the captain, so climb aboard. We'll search for tomorrow on every shore. It's all about the future. And then, and then Lindsay takes so it's off. It's like a coming-of-age song Yes, exactly. It's, it's a good song. I mean, it's, just, it's not subtle. Okay, fine. It's not subtle, but but anyways, it's a literary device. It's being used to help to help tell the story. Okay, I'm with you, man. Hey, man, if it pulled at your heartstrings, if it made you feel a certain way, then yeah, it worked. You know the other allusions, the allusions to Han Solo always avoiding Jabba the Hutt. That was that was great. Even like a lot of like the T-shirts talk, they were grabbing things. And using those things to do a lot of the storytelling for them. And that's the literary devices I'm talking about. And that's my MVP. Well, yeah, you're right. They definitely, they found lots of different creative ways to show, you know, instead of telling. You know, they were like, this is that dude's favorite drummer. And this is his favorite movie. And this is the double feature they're showing. So, yeah, they made it a natural part of the dialogue and a natural part of the story. So it wasn't supernatural style exposition dumbing. What's up, Fitz? We got something to add about that in the shop talk as well aware i have something i want to add to that edition mo okay i'm gonna go because it kind of builds off of jimbo's a little better the main character Lindsay, is my mvp because like i said earlier i just appreciate watching someone in such a short span of time conquer so many hard ass things that happen to you in high school and she really just she does well she gets busted by her parents she gets punished she does you know she gets reamed by a bully and wasn't yeah she was mean to her right yeah she like dumped her purse out super mean yeah and through that through it all she is a good sister she still is a good daughter and she was so sweet at the end when she was dancing with that special needs kid so i just really liked her character eli there you go she definitely did a really good job struggling with that thing to like especially teenagers have because teenagers are obsessed with right and wrong and morality and shit and like wanting to be a good person in their own mind and Lindsay super struggles throughout the whole episode with like what is her identity and how can she be a good person to all these different people while still being a good person to herself it was a very cool performance all right drew what is it man i hope i hope it's the one i'm hoping for so i mean i picked the three friends fight you know like when they fought that goofy bully who by the way like again i like it in the shows when the people look like the age they're supposed to be that bully does not look like he's 25 tim riggins style he does look like he's a young guy and then the fight they have is so real because some kids have never been in a fight and they fight super awkwardly at least the first time and so i kind of liked the three-way tag team where like even the bully was kind of bad at fighting you know he like threatened the guys but he was all talk and then when it came to it he got pissed off. They tore his shirt. So the three friends is my MVP, but Martin Starr, the super awkward dude with the glasses, like I like his performance a lot. It's very natural and it's probably him partly, but 
Is that who you're hoping for, Jimbo? Yeah, it was. I, I was hoping you'd, you'd bring up the three friends because, yeah, the geeks were awesome. The geeks made the show. Lindsay was super strong, but the crew that she was hanging out with was not so strong. The geeks were all strong. And I have some more things to say about the geeks, but Mo, you've been too quiet and I've been talking too much. No, I just want to re- loop back to a, another great moment of Lindsay's, which is when she stands up for her brother. It's not, oh, yeah, it's okay, not your MVP nice. anymore, yeah. Mo. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> it jogged my memory because she stood up for him. And I really think that was an influential factor in them feeling like they could do it too. And that was also really badass of her. She's just like, get the fuck out of here. I also love how, how Sam didn't appreciate it. And and that's the last thing you want. Because that, that's real too. Drew has an older sister. Drew, did you ever have anything like that happen? No, but here's one thing that did happen. Um, I was a freshman when my sister was a senior. And at my school, all the seniors came in yelling and screaming and wearing um, like tie-dyes and shit. And there's this one other freshman named Whitney and she was the first girl with boobs I guess in the freshman class or something but all the seniors liked her and so my sister and a bunch of seniors like threw water balloons at her and so my first day of high school this one girl who I'd never met before was like why are your sister and her friends so shitty to me and I didn't know anybody so that was kind of an anti-Lindsay moment and Zan doesn't listen to the podcast but my dad will probably tell her about this story thanks Zan so yeah, that's that's my MVP. Uh, any last notes? Yeah, let's, I mean, yeah, there's there's some things that, that I kind of want to talk about, but it didn't quite fit into the show. One last thing on my MVP. I love that uh, the big, t- goofy, tall guy with glasses is like slow on all the jokes. Like he catches them last. He's like, "Who is it? I don't understand the reference." He doesn't even catch some of them. I know, and then he's like, and he's like, and I'm gonna date Neil's mom. He's like, wait a minute, not even funny. And I'm like, that's real. Neil was a very real person in a lot of our lives. Yeah, the geeks were awesome. He took off his glasses and threw them to get ready for the fight. It was like, ah! <laughs> there's, there's no doubt in anyone's mind. Alan was picked on so much when he was a freshman. Like that's, like that's like no joke. There's no way that kid wasn't just tormented. He's, he's a, a very goofy kid, and now he's just getting his, his revenge on the payback. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got back to that. Listeners, and now we're going to move on to dangling threads. And I'll go ahead and start us off. This show gave me a lot of high school nostalgia, just in general, because this show captured a lot of my high school experience fairly well. Not necessarily me personally, but just the things that I witnessed and kind of observed. You mean, who? which one were you? Which one did you most identify with? Learn about Jimbo. I could just see the different clicks. I could see the kids getting picked on. I could see the kids doing the, the, the picking on. I could see the stoner kids and the freak kids and the geek kids and kind of just the whole dynamics and people getting made fun of. And, and as I mentioned, like the dodgeball scene, I don't know. It just made me think about high school in kind of a cool way. I mean, I didn't have a terrible high school experience like Drew did, but I was just kind of like knew that high school was a cakewalk and I kind of enjoyed it for what it was, I guess. Jimbo, I feel like you were throwing dodgeballs at freshmen. I wasn't. No, I was always good at sports. So like I could have throw thrown dodgeball when I was a freshman, but if I would have seen that someone on the other team was like purposely picking on one of the freshmen, like I, like I would have gone after that person. Robin hood. 
I would have laughed if a freshman got hit in the balls, though, that's for sure. You're only human. Come on. <laughs> and you're not the teacher. That didn't seem to matter. I think it does a nice job of highlighting some nostalgia in high school, not from the Friday Night Lights sports-centric point of view. But it just wasn't my high school experience. So, I mean, it's hard to bring up the nostalgia of it, even though, like, I think high school is generally a setting for a lot of shows because it's universal. Like, not everyone went to college, and not everyone's a lawyer or, like, a doctor, but everyone went to high school just about mostly. And so I think that's why there's like a ton of shows that want to be universal or as universal as they can be to appeal to the widest audience. And uh, if I can bounce back kind of too, this show did what Dawson's Creek didn't for me. The high schoolers in this show are high schoolers. They're not USC film critics. They're high school students. And I think that if Dawson would have been more the tone of as far as language of freaks and geeks i think dawson would have been a lot higher up up our list i can see that i can definitely also relate to the dodgeball scene that was probably the most nostalgic i felt as far as thinking back to not even a high school actually probably middle school because in high school i didn't do gym mo did you have mixed gym or did you have girls gym because it seemed like they had a boys only gym class they we were mixed that must have been back then when they would make the boys do wood shop and play dodgeball and the girls would hula hoop and learn how to cook we didn't have any girls in my pe classes i mean we we had like freshman pe was mixed and then we had a class that was called sports survey and that was pretty much dodgeball indoor soccer that's all we played in a volleyball those are the only three sports you know we played and they were and they were mostly full contact sports someone got paid to watch you you guys do that (laughs) but like we had we had aerobics and we had some other so like all the girls took classes you know like the girls classes i don't think there i had a single girl in any of my sports survey classes did you all ever have to like get naked in front of other people and shower in high school forced to or choose to i guess it was an option and this is a super off topic but i feel like sometimes no this is this is in there this is nostalgia man this is dangling threads i mean nothing's really off (laughs) off uh off the plates and dangling threads but you know sometimes when they show scenes of high school that's something that's normal and common this freaks and geeks doesn't do it but in general and i just feel like i never saw anyone else do that and i never definitely did it they did it at my school you didn't have to but i was kind of super uncomfortable because i was an adolescent and this one time like these these like four kids were kind of dicks to me when I first got to my school and they like chilled out. Cause I got friends eventually, but like this one kid like pushed me and this other kid like started to pee in my shoe. And like, I hated being in the locker room after that. Those guys were fucking assholes. They peed in your shoe. He started to, and I pulled it out of the way, but there's pee on my shoe and I never wore those fucking shoes again. <gasps> those guys were dicks. Hey, Brian Kiger, if you're listening to this, fuck you. <laughs> Oh, uh, Drew, come on. You you can forgive poor poor Brian. He he probably didn't know any better. Unless he's still a dick now then. I imagine he's still a dick because he's also He's probably part of the brown coat. Yeah, he probably is like a he's fucking a brown, brown coat. coat loving Reddit asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I would say when when I was a freshman to get back to Drew's or uh Mo's question, I never would have showered when I was a freshman, but by the time I was a junior and senior, I definitely did because you know what? I didn't want to smell like bo and be yeah. all sweaty all did so i definitely no, showered when i was an upperclassman yeah that's what i'm i'm wondering about too just i only ever had that experience i would just like go about the rest of my well usually actually it was at the end of the day sorry i keep going back and forth with my memory 
But when we do pee like in third period and then you just smell the rest of the day. Like I, I chose to smell rather than shower. I also chose to smell. And <laughs> if if we get enough tweets or reviews or shout outs on the message board, I'll put this up. But one time I went to, yeah, PE third period and then it was like class picture day. And I was also pretty insecure about being weird looking and overweight so I was just like, fuck it, I'll get it out of the way. It's it's the worst bad class picture of like quite a few bad class <laughs> pictures because not only am I bespackled <laughs> with my glasses and overweight and weird looking, but I'm also extremely sweaty and my face is like red and my hair is matted in a weird way. It's very Dwight. If Again, if we get enough Twitter shout outs and iTunes reviews and message board shit, Listeners, I'll find the picture. I would love to see this. This this uh, yeah, maybe we, let's let's put it on Drew's um, bio maybe. on the uh, website. That's a great way to motivate me, Jimbo. You're right. I, I might have to do some and digging also just tweet it's somewhere. That's good. And also just tweet us if did you ever have to get did you ever get naked in high and school? Pe- and if people gym? pee on your stuff, I want to know what do the people do? Yeah, I was in and out of that locker. Fitz has a really good story, and I could tell it right right now, and possibly cut it if you guys want, and see if I get his permission. It's a good one. Hit tell it. Us. Okay, so <laughs> be aware he's a sponsor. He has influence. <laughs> he is a sponsor. Uh, so so Fitz was showering one time. Like it was either after PE or after football class uh, practice, and what and one of the other guys in the in the grade ahead of us went and started talking to him like right in the shower like right next to him just started talking to him and will didn't notice and he was pissing on fits the whole time <gasps> he was just like hey will what's up man how's practice and he's just will's just talking to him like he doesn't know what's going on and everyone in the football locker room is just watching the guy's name is charlie oh. jackson just pissing on him the whole time <laughs> fuck you charlie jackson <laughs> that's fucked up what is wrong with people although i will admit one time i had to pee really bad and so did my brother and we were rushing to the bathroom and then i sat down before he did and then he just peed on me oh well dude that's yeah <laughs> tough tough break man that's one of the advantages no the bathtub was right there or the sink it's running water like it was just literally a power move <laughs> I hope he was fairly young at the time and not we like... Were, we were young. <laughs> okay. <But> still. <laughs> She's up. like, that happened at Tofu. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, but I was old enough to have a memory of it, and I have a shitty memory <laughs> about my childhood. Well, that's a good one. Anyway, that's an official dangle. All right, one one more dangling thread, and then and then we can speed through the rest of the show. Yep, we'll speed. I, I, I wanted to maybe touch on Eli. He is played by Ben Foster. He's actually a fairly successful actor. He's done some directing and, and, and some producing. I'm not really sure what their the whole aim was in that show. Was this was this a way for Lindsay to find some redemption? Like, what was I supposed to think about that scene? And what did it actually do for you guys? Plot device. How so? Mostly because Eli is there to move the story forward and doesn't really have agency. The actor has a good performance when Lindsay calls him retarded and he pushes back real hard, as understandably a person in circumstances might. But, you know, I think that he does not exist wholly. He's there to move Lindsay along. And if it was a different dynamic gender-wise, we would call it out more strongly. But, you know, I think Eli's a plot device. But 
you know, it's an ensemble show, and Lindsay is the main character, so maybe we get from him what the show wants us to get from him. I don't think it's a negative portrayal of people with special needs, if that's what you're asking. I didn't think so either. And even the second scene, like the one guys are just talking to him about, you know, like the president and about Jimmy Carter and in politics. I didn't necessarily think that those guys were were punching down at him either. I mean, like they were they were kind of having fun with them, but for the eighties or or the nineties especially, like they weren't out of line for teenagers to be hanging out in a student like Eli. It was a little hyperbolic because at my high school, we we didn't make fun of those kids. Like no one ever did. Do people actually do that? Yeah, all the all the special education kids were were really isolated when I was in high school. We have a nice range at the school I work at now, where like a bunch of different kids work with kind of intense special needs students um, who are in like a different class. But our school does a pretty good job of making sure that we push in when we can push in. But like you know, some kids like have to have a different environment. I think that, like, again, the character was a character device because they wanted to show two different shades of gray. Like, in one instance, it was shitty the way they were treating him, and Lindsay stuck up for him. And in another one, I still think it was kind of shitty they were, the way they were treating him because it was obvious that even if he wasn't aware, like, they were laughing at the way he was talking. So, I mean, even if he wasn't harmed, like, that's still those two guys being shitty. But it was more of a gray area that created a situation where something dramatic could happen with Lindsay and him. I wasn't really sure what to make of that, so that's kind of why I brought it up. And it wasn't a high point, and it wasn't a low point, so. It was just supposed to be, like, sentiment. It felt, like, kind of sentimental. and Yeah, and I think that's what Drew was saying, like, just a plot device. It can also just be expedient storytelling, too. You know, like, how do you show the audience that Lindsay has a moral core? You know, have her be nice to a kid with special needs. And he's only in two episodes because I looked up his his character because I was interested. Okay, so we can move on from there and let's and let's get through this next part quickly. We, you know, we don't really need to, need to say much. Watch or rewatch. So I'm not going to continue watching this show. I'm just like the first time I saw the first episode. I'm not interested in any other. I I think I would rewatch it. I I watched the whole thing already, but so I'm curious. I know how it ends, and I kind of remember the pilot, so. I just, I'm curious what happened in between. Uh, I think I'm going to pass because the question now comes from me most of the time when we say watch or rewatch. It's like, would I give something else I've never watched a chance versus watching this again? And Jimbo and Mo, you're right. Like the the bros, the dudes, the freaks um, were way less fun to watch now than they were the first time I watched this. So would I watch this versus taking a chance on something else? I'd rather try something else and just see what happens. That's what we do here. We, we we jump on these pilots for you. So I want to jump on a pilot, a new one. All right, listeners, before we move on, we have a promo swap with another podcast. Hey, do you like movies? Hey, do you like podcasts? If you do, then come on down and listen to the Home Video Hustle podcast, homie. Hustle, hustle. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie up, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.poppin.com. All of them in one place for you, so you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the defenders, yeah. but I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> Come out at your boys, man. Come chill with us. 
Peace. Peace. Welcome back, listeners. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist? That is the question. And I was really on the fence, but I think this show made me think about so many things. And it had a lot of high points. It had a lot of low points. But I'm going to say it's a not hoist just because it made me think so much about a lot of different things. And I think for that sole purpose, that was enough to not hoist it. I, I wouldn't hoist it. I would give it a not hoist. I'm not hoisting as well. Um, there's problematic stuff with this pilot. But the thing is, the lows are a bit shallow and the highs are awesome. Like, you're right. The geeks are really cool. And Lindsay, awesome all around performance despite the super traumatic episode of her holding her grandma's hand while her grandma told her that there is no heaven or hell. Yeah. The, the, in the geeks, as we already said more than once, the geeks weigh more than makeup for the freaks. Okay. So we're going to move on. That is a unanimous. Not hoist. And now quest for the best and the worst pilot ever. So we have a, a solid unanimous, not hoist. So. I'm just going to go ahead and throw mine out there. I think it's a lot better than Glee, and Glee's a split decision. I do not think it's better than Dawson's Creek. Does anyone have an objection or, or anything else to add? I think it's better than Dawson's Creek. I feel like Dawson's Creek is significantly better, just mostly because of acting. I actually like Lindsay better than Joey. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the actual story in Dawson's Creek is better, and I think the acting is a lot better. And even though I didn't like how mature their dialogue was i think just overall it's a better show but drew you're gonna have to jump in well here's the thing man i feel like you're dinging i feel like you're hitting freaks and geeks from two sides here because you ripped on dawson's creek for having like bad dialogue but you're saying it's a better story whereas freaks and geeks maybe you don't like the story as much but you said it was more authentic um i'm kind of with mo on this one i feel like freaks and geeks does more whereas like you're right if dawson's creek had been a bit more authentic i think that joey is the high point of um dawson's but man you know the gen part doesn't hold up as you said it's a weird slow walk dawson is a fuck boy throughout most of the episode and i don't know man like freaks and geeks i don't think anything in dawson's creeks was as good as the awkward fight scene in freaks and geeks what do you say to that i mean i would still disagree i think the corniness of this show brings it down below Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek was a lot of things, but it wasn't corny. And I think the corniness is really hurt in Freaks and Geeks. If if you could have just somehow cleaned up that corniness, I think I think I would completely agree with you guys. But that's two it sounds like it might be two against one and I don't care that much. Fair enough. I I don't <laughs> think Dawson's Creek did enough to show high school is kind of shitty or with like adults being terrible or things like that. So I always want to give the edge to the show that portrays adolescence as terrible as possible, which in this case is Freaks and Geeks. That's very biased <laughs> of you, but fine. We we are putting Freaks and Geeks above Dawson's Creek and behind the Wonder Years. Uh, behind Friday Night Lights. Behind Friday Night Lights? Yes, okay. That's a good spot. Does any, is anyone going to make an argument that's better than Friday Night Lights? I don't no. think it is. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to give you our petardar, and uh, we'll try and make this quick because we want Mo to be able to stick around for the whole episode, and she's on a, a you know strict time limit. I'm already over. I'm already over my time limit. 
I'm I'm just gonna once again call out super bad, and I'm not gonna say much else about it. I think it's if if you want to see Seth Rogen at his best, go see Super Bad, and I like their portrayal of high school. And then my my petardar for more specifically, if you would like to see a nice '80s portrayal of some high school kids, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is just so classic and so awesome. And I kind of just really wanted to watch Ferris Bueller after watching this pilot episode. It's a great movie. So my petardar, although I'm learning to not trust my nostalgia as much as I used to, is a show called Undeclared. And it's by the same people who did um, Freaks and Geeks, but instead of in the 80s about, you know, high school, it's kind of like at the time, like an early 2000s college show where like it was set with like these some former freaks and some former geeks go to college and they get to remake themselves. And there's a bunch of the same actors and much like Freaks and Geeks, it is one season self-contained. But it's less famous. But it also, again, has hella future famous people in it, including uh, the dude who played King Arthur and was in Pacific Rim. That guy's awesome. And Sons of Anarchy. Okay, but yeah, that's my petard art. Where you at, Mo? Um, so uh, my petard art, I also had Super Bad on there, but Jimbo took it. There's no taking. We shared it. Or we sh- we'll share it. We'll share it. And then if you like Linda Cardinelli, who plays Lindsay in this, uh, she's also in a show called Bloodline that I personally really like. It's it's very dramatic and dark a little bit. And it also has Kyle Chandler, who was in Friday Night Lights. I would give that a shout out. Maybe like Almost Famous. I got like some Almost Famous vibes from the, maybe it was the aesthetic. So that's a good movie. Watch that. The geek in Almost Famous reminded me of this geek, whatever his name was. Listeners, next week, Mo is going to be out. We are going to have a special guest, Jake Drew, and he requested that we investigate the end of the fucking world, and you can watch that on Netflix. And here are our plugs. We have a new intro mixed by Jake Drew, who also does our advertisement background music, and our closing music is a track by Entheos. And listeners... You can always find us on our website, our Twitter, our Instagram, or the Facebook group. And for any feedback, comments, debates, you can go to our website. If you want to call us out for things that we may have mistaken during the show, Fitz, go ahead. You know, he's he's uh, keeping us on our toes. Sad moment, y'all. We, we, we lost Zero. Zero has, has officially given up on the pilots and petards podcast he he <laughs> was very much ashamed of the shop talk last week oh sorry zero i didn't mean to lose you i thought he wanted i thought he'd want to engage well luckily we have a resurrection of a jimmy christ and so that might that that may be better so we have that to look forward to if you can't tell by the music the show is officially over but if you love us as much as we love us we're going to stick around for a few more minutes yeah, and Jimbo, um, for some reason you wrote on the show notes that you wanted me to read five reviews. I think we've been doing one review a week, and I'm just going to read this one real quick. So what we have is a review from BSP, the Idiosyncrasy Files. Idiosyncrasy Files. And they said, Drew and Jimbo really get each out. They discuss a fun concept from a unique angle. They're definitely well-informed and know what they're talking about. I like the humor, but also like how they debate. For an entertaining time, listen to this show. Five stars. So I think they listened to a pre-Mo episode. We get better from there. And they requested either the pilot of Fargo or The Exorcist. So which one do you guys want? Fargo. 
I've never heard of either of them. Fine, Fargo. I trust Mo. Okay, Fargo, I'm in. I'm not into that Satan shit. Okay, so Fitz also requests our sponsor and faithful listener. He wants Mo to watch Supernatural. I think Fitz is hoping that, that we could possibly swing Supernatural into the split decision for a not hoist. So, Mo, when, when you get a chance, maybe, maybe in two weeks, okay, if you could watch Supernatural's pilot and just come back to us for a shop talk and we'll just say it's either a hoist or a not hoist and we can update the quest for the best list. We absolutely can. And, Mo, on that note as well, I really need you to watch My Name is Earl because I still feel heavily conflicted about putting my name as Earl in front of X-Men the animated series. I would very much like to switch those because I'm often confronted with questions of, I kind of feel like the show is better than X-Men, but not, but like this show is better than my name is Earl, but not as good as X-Men. So I want to switch our three and four. So if I have to become a sponsor of the show, I'm willing to do that. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll report back. Yeah. Sounds good. By the way, for the record, Mo. Jimbo wanted to not hoist mm, a little bit. I was very much in favor of hoisting, so we split. Drew, did you not read that part about no influences, Drew? No influences from Drew or Jimbo. It says right there. It says that nowhere. You meant to write it, and you didn't. It says right there, dude. I didn't even touch it, man. Oh, it does say no influences from Drew. Oh, sorry. Shit. I'm sorry, okay. dude. Sorry. I'm half, I'm half awake. I'm half awake. Okay, I wasn't perfect. listening. <laughs> Again, you can notice that Drew did not read the entire show notes. <laughs> I did listen to the new ending to the podcast, though. The every day we hoist the. What do you think of that? I like it. Who is who is that? That's me, man. That's you. Yeah, Jake <laughs> Drew mixed that. Who drew that photo? I drew that photo. Yeah. That's Jimbo. And and I'm paying an artist I work with to to make a very nice version of that photo. <laughs> <sighs> Jimbo, our expenses are gonna get out of control. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. You know, get a sponsor to pay for it. Later Yolo. On. Yeah. So I don't know if I really have anything else to uh, to talk about. As always, I feel like this show was a bit messy, but you know, they they usually clean up pretty good, actually. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm doing drilling fast, so I'm gonna have to uh, say every damn hoistling mo out. Every damn hoistling, Drew out. Every day we hoistling, Jimbo out. <laughs>